Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such, your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Good Friday, football fans. Welcome to News and Such on Footy Prime, the podcast. I'm James Sharman. Done up to you. Forrest is here. Brennan's here. Wong is here. We'll have a guest uh, later on on today's show, someone who can perhaps offer a great perspective on just how important soccer is or is not to corporate Canada, at least, and if there's actually any money at all in it. You heard our conversation on Wednesday. There's conflicting opinions, perhaps, and and just where the game lies in in this country right now, and obviously there's a lot of conjecture throughout social media right now with the Canada soccer issue. Uh, But yeah, we'll talk to... um, I won't give away who she is just yet, apart from that she's a she. I just gave that away, didn't I? But it'll be, I think, a really interesting conversation. Um, boys, news-wise, this morning, um, Bernadeschi is now, there's a verbal agreement in place. That's what we're hearing with TFC. With DC United, Wayne Rooney arrives this week. Um, they just traded Julia Gressel to Vancouver. Let's talk about Luis Suarez, Ravel Morrison. Jesse Lingard was linked there as well. He's being linked elsewhere where now, but... I just got me thinking this morning about MLS and this season and, and the big name values coming in. B, let's start with you. Um, we know what MLS is about. It's about, you know, number one, developing North American football, right? We love the homegrown stories. But this season is getting pretty interesting, isn't it, with some of the name values coming aboard? Yeah, this season makes it box office. This season makes it $2.5 billion broadcast deal worthy, right? Where I think that they finally found that medium between attractive pieces and names and actually having balanced, exciting football and a really competitive product. And it really is an exciting product, you know, outside of just the teams that that you want to follow. And in the past, it really was so regionalized. I think now you are enticed to want to watch DC United play Philly. or want to watch, you know, Austin FC take on San Jose more so than 10 years ago. And, you know, that, that was kind of the dream that they wanted to get to where it was a league that appealed beyond to just the hardcore soccer fan that they already had, usually in the stands, and to get people watching when they weren't there. Hey, Craig, what do you make of Waza returning DC United as manager now, but between his last appearance as a player, which is actually at BMO Field, by the way, um, and, and now he's, he's done some, some great work at Derby County. 
in, in terrible conditions. Do you think this guy really is going to be a great manager? And how long, how many months will he be at, be at DC United? <laughs> well, we don't know that, of course. But um, so far, I've been impressed with what he's done as a manager, quite honestly. Um, I was a bit surprised. But so far, he's, uh, he's, he's performed very well. I think he's shown some loyalty there at Derby as well. Um, wanted to stick that job out came very close with all the points they were deducted at the start of the season to actually saving Derby County so good on him for that and back to the league itself I think that you know it's one of those situations where the league is so different than what we know in Europe that you can be in a position where Toronto FC is right now is one of the worst records in the league and yet there's still hope there's still hope for this season and certainly for next season so it's one of those situations where a little bit like the National Football League, where on any given year, your team, if they make the right moves, can be competitive and actually win the thing. And that's, I think, is is actually really quite attractive uh, from a league standpoint is of having, you know, when you look at the Premier League, you got those massive teams that we know are going to be at the top of that Premier League for sure. And it works. But I like the fact that you have a league where, hey, my team next year, they were terrible last year. This year, oh, we might be okay. We might be, be competitive. We might win it. So... It's uh, it's fun that way, I think. What's so interesting about Rooney too, right? We make the joke that he's used to taking over teams at the bottom, but like they could go on a run and still make the playoffs this season. And if they don't make the playoffs this season, that's fine. He knows he's he knows he has a job. And you listen to him talk about like su- such a student of the game. We used to say towards the end of his career, but the way he speaks about being a manager, like he took this job to learn more. And I think you look at you know what's happened to Frank Lampard and some of these other managers who get thrusted kind of into that big job too quickly. They don't get that opportunity to learn. I think he saw this as a great situation of like deal with situations that he never would in the Premier League that might prepare him even better for a bigger job. And then he has the, the kind of the safety net of, well, we're not fearing relegation here. So he can kind of, it's a safer way, place to learn, Jimmy. That's how I took it, the way he's. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I think if you're, if you're an owner of a club, that's the type of manager that you want as well, where, you know, he had other teams when he was at Derby that were sniffing around and wanted to take him on. And, and he said, no, I'm, I'm here to do a job. I'm committed to this job. And I want to be here to the end. And that, I think, as an owner, is very intriguing. And it's something that you want as a manager, somebody that you know, okay, if he's coming to D.C., just who he is, he's going to stick with it. And he, he'll, he'll be here for a while. Um, and I think it's going to be a good test for him. And fortunately for him, he's played in the league, so he understands it. He knows the travel. He, he knows how, how, how harsh the, the league can be. Um, and he's a great manager. What he did at, at Derby County, to, to go on what Stax was saying, I mean, 21 points down and, and fighting to the end of the season and almost surviving is remarkable. It's unbelievable what he did. And I think everybody in, in Britain applauded just how well he, he did. So and he's, and he's not going to be under that microscope either, no, you know, be. and that the press is not going to, you know, all the tabloid media and everything else. If no. he wants to take a taxi with a girlfriend anywhere, he's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Colleen's staying home as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. He's <laughs> making the trip. <laughs> a lot of taxis. It does, though, you know, joking aside, though, I mean, it, it does seem that he is reinventing his image, though, right? I mean, when when he played football, we all knew how, the, the prodigious talent that he was. He was incredible, but he was football and not much else. You know, I, I think we all made fun of how smart he might have been, this little scout off the streets of Liverpool, you know, not really educated. But then, you know, you see his profession as a manager. Even that that uh, that Amazon documentary painted him in a, in, a, in a pretty decent light as well. There's way more to Wayne Rooney 
than I thought there was. And that's that looks bad on me. I mean, I should perhaps be a little bit more open to the way I, I perceive these these characters. But he's done a great job there, like you said. And he is all about football, not much else, perhaps. But that's okay. We're all defined by one thing in life, aren't we? And a bad hair transplant. There's that too. It's the beard makes up for though. it. <laughs> yeah, the beard totally makes up for it. And talk about re- reinventing his image, you know, speak, coming from someone who turned into, uh, you know, an Hispanic-looking model and then, then looking uh, homeless through the pandemic with my hair transformation. Uh, yeah, it's a total, you know, Spanish that, that hair goes a long Spanish-looking way. model. <laughs> fat fit. Fat fit's Don't coming out again. that in there. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, hair plugs. I wasn't... Then I was hairier, but I'm still gorgeous beneath the beard. <laughs> oh, chocolate. FC chocolate. A very uh, me, isn't it? <laughs> we need one on the team. We need one on the team licking himself. Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean Rooney's beard helped out his plugs? What are you saying? You I think it takes the answers away from the hair, right? Doesn't it? You think the beard takes away from the plugs? I think so. Yeah, the same way a beard takes away from a man's bald head. That's why every bald guy who can grow a beard grows a beautiful beard. Okay, but you look right at the head right after, so doesn't really do anything. There was a there was, know, a, like, there was a uh, shot take of a while to look at that beard. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, as you just you just have a full conversation staring at his beard and forget about the head. <laughs> so it takes would away you, from the action. Would you reach in your fingers in the beard a little bit and just give it a little bit of this? <laughs> you would. Well, Rooney, I might. Oh, okay. Hey, you know who is ne- I've never seen with a beard, though, is Craig Forrest. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. even stubble. Can you grow yeah. one? You're like Ronaldo, <laughs> eh? No facial hair. I used, to have a, I used to have a goatee. You had a goatee? That was your look? Yeah. You look like a uh, Serbian hitman. <laughs> you complain about your hair all the time, Greg. Maybe it's time to grow a big beard to see if that takes away the emphasis from your... The My lid. face? Yeah. <laughs> there's that as well comes in handy yeah i need something to distract somebody from my yeah. upper <laughs> neck up isn't so great actually the neck down is not so great <laughs> just walk there's on more your hands the there's more to Rooney than the beard i think it's fair to say but you know if you're if you are a bald man i think you have to go with the beard don't you i would i would too if you're a fat bald guy you have to go for the beard that's the look <laughs> someone that I think would look really weird with a beard would be Cristiano Ronaldo. See? Just a goatee. No beard. Just a goatee. This is what I'm saying. He's, I think he's kept it fresh. I used to think that he had it lasered because, like, for us Portuguese men, we do have to shave multiple times a day if you were to be clean shaven. I did when I worked for Fox. So I thought he had yeah, it lasered. About, um, rumors about Michael Schumacher being lasered. I don't get what, it. Laser your beard. face? I like the Why? option. But uh, I, I mentioned Ronaldo there. Bit of a segue. Not a great one in Venice. Um, he's back in the news. He's reportedly turned down a deal to, to head over to Saudi Arabia. Not part of the Lyft tour, but basically the same kind of thing. <laughs> 250 million pounds, which is what? 385 million dollars. He turned it down and good for him. That would have just destroyed his legacy, I think, had he gone for the money over there when he says he wants to play Champions League football. But here we are still waiting for an outcome to the Ronaldo situation. There are stories out there. I read one today about Jewish Mendes given Bayern Munich. Once again, the old nudge saying, listen, Lewandowski is leading. You know, he would join you. Are you surprised that it's taken this long that there aren't a, a, a length of suitors 
all just you know lining up to sign this guy? I'll go first. <laughs> You're gonna have to. <laughs> I yeah, love to hear what you got to say. <laughs> I it's think, your guy. Uh, That's why we let you go first on this right. one. Right. Oh, it was respect. Oh, first time I had respect. Sorry, it was it was so rare that he I didn't know what to do. Did I he? Didn't know what to do? That. <laughs> yeah, since you're both models. Yeah. Mmm, chocolate. <laughs> I am very glad he turned down 275 million euros from the Saudis as well for that two-year deal because I think that would have uh, that would have just changed football completely and i agree it really would have uh hammered his legacy yeah but, but you I, would have bought one of his jerseys oh i would have been over i would have been into Riyadh right away that, <laughs> what a derby that is that Riyadh derby let me tell you when javinko was in it oh it was great yeah and if the saudi's got any money lying around you know we're we're out there we're out there yep in the past though craig you said that you wouldn't you wouldn't go to bed with the uh, saudis if they came knocking on the footy prime door it's I funny know. how that changes, eh? Have you changed? <laughs> that was months no, ago. A lot of no, changes. I've not then. changed. I've not changed. <laughs> I, I will say this quickly about Ronaldo: is that uh, I've seen the reports that you know Eric Ten Hag um, was excited to work with him, and I think that Eric Ten Hag can structure the team the way that he would want the team to play, Manchester United. But he's not doing himself any service by publicly shopping himself around. So uh, I do wonder how awkward those conversations will be because I think the way it's looking, he's going to end up staying at United. He'll end yeah, up at maybe at some point. At some point, yeah. Listen, the fact but not he, now. I think this is the first I think podcast in a while, maybe off this this preseason podcast, that you know we we need some better content. Thankfully, because <laughs> we, we we led with DC United for Christ's sakes. I apologize for that. And then oh, another Ronaldo rumor. What a surprise! We're digging for content here, but thankfully. Thankfully, we have a guest today. It's going to suddenly uh, improve the quality of our, our, our conversation today, without doubt. Uh, this is this is someone who simply understands the Canadian sports landscape beyond just the usual, as in hockey and hockey and hockey and you know hockey. <laughs> and more, and more just, than us, by the way. Oh, we, we more than <laughs> way us. More than us. Pretty soon, I think. <laughs> She's currently the VP Partnership and Participation at Tennis Canada, formerly <laughs> VP and Chief of Staff at York United. Before that, VP Strategy and League Operations at the Canadian Premier League. She also has her National B license from Canada Soccer. I think I got all that right. Ava Havaris joins us. Ava, is that right? Did I kind of nail that? You did. Thanks. Thanks, James. Well, welcome to the show. Really appreciate it. Um, let's get right into this, can we? Uh, commercially speaking, is, is Canadian soccer as lucrative as some people would have you believe? I think it can be. I mean, I think, you know, we all understand that what's happened with the men's national team has generated a lot of interest, not only from fans, but corporate partners, what the women have been doing on the field, the Olympic gold. And certainly uh, during my time at CSV CPL, there was a lot of interest from corporate partners on what were we going to do with the women's game. So the potential is there, um, but, you know, potential and, and execution are two different things. So I can tell you in tennis, it's exploded. Um, we are by far at the, the top of our game when it comes to sponsorship, investment, um, all of that from corporate partners, from donors, because of the success that tennis has had over the last sort of 10 years. And money is out there. And money is out there. Yes. Yeah. Is is that uh, sponsorship uh, basically around the actual event, uh, the Rogers Tennis event itself, more so than anything? Because we where we talked about events driving sponsorship, and 
we have that trouble in Canada with our national teams that we don't actually have events as such, you know, and the mm-hmm. Nations League is owned by CONCACAF. You got the World Cup qualifiers. You have the Gold Cup, which is CONCACAF, uh, FIFA events, which is obviously, obviously FIFA. So uh, how does Canada do that without actually having specific events uh, like Tennis Canada have? Yeah, Craig, it's a great question, but I'll say this, like over the last three years, so now being involved with CPL on that side of things and then now tennis and seeing what's going on, there's been a big shift, which is corporate partners are looking to activate in community. So while the success in an event and, you know, eyeballs on the screen or eyeballs on the sport is really important, they always want to know, you know, what's the reach going to be. But the flip side of it is, you know, reputationally Um, You know, do you have a great reputation? You've got athletes that, you know, um, are storytellers that they want to have in their wheelhouse as brand ambassadors. And then the activation side of it is, yes, our corporate partners are around the tennis facility. But this is where on my side of things at tennis, everything is about what can we do in the community? So what programs do we have to offer? Um, What unique initiatives can we do to make tennis more accessible? There's a huge push now for corporate partnership where it's like, we want community. We want good stories. We want, you know, we, we want people with integrity. We want ambassadors that are great spokespeople that are young. And so tennis has a lot of that going on, um, which is why it's not just about the event anymore. Um, it is about, you know, what, what's the reputation of Tennis Canada in Canada and what are we doing in the community? Has tennis just done a much better job of marketing their stars in general to make it more attractive to partners? Is, is that one of the big differences? Yeah, you know, it's probably a question for all of us, right? Because, I mean, most of you guys, I don't know how closely you follow tennis. I never really did that much because, of course, my background is soccer. Um, have they done a great job? Yeah, I think, you know, the pro side of of tennis, like they're very marketable. And maybe it's because it's an individual sport also. You know, like you really stand out um, as an individual. So, for example, when Layla had her success last year at the U.S. Open, I mean, she's there on the court but they put a mic in front of her and she's just so likable, right? She's so eloquent when she speaks, she's so marketable. And so she does it just by being, you know, all eyes on her and then in front of a microphone. It's, I find that those things are a little bit, um, maybe they're not as obvious in team sport. And maybe that's part of the challenge of, you know, you have to find like, we've got Alfonso, we've got Christine and maybe it's not Christine. Maybe it's one of the up and coming players on the women's team. That's just more marketable. Um, and how do you market them for this for the success of the whole team? I think that's what needs to be figured out. Do you uh, does Tennis Canada um, outsource its its marketing? Uh, like obviously Canada Soccer, CSB now, or is it all in house? It's all in house. Um, we work with agencies for sure, um, just because of the volume of work. But no, we've got a chief marketing officer, so she was hired in October. Prior to that, there was another individual in the role, and she's built up a full marketing team, digital team, comms team. You know, I think what it's come down to, James, is you know it's a priority for the organization, it's a priority for the business, and so they invest wisely. <laughs> Like they don't spread their resources all over the place. They're, you know, we're really specific about where we're investing, what we're trying to do as a business um, and what's the return on that investment. So well, well oiled machine for sure. Yeah. Do you do you think that there's a possibility of uh, that uh, you know with the scandal that's around Hockey Canada at the moment and with the, what happened in 2018 um, and the sponsorship pulling out of Hockey Canada? Is that an opportunity for other sports to maybe jump on? It is. Yes. Um, are other sports thinking to jump on it? 
Probably not. Um, at the end of the day, sponsors are going to look to align with the stories, the brands, the people inside of those organizations that best fit with their objectives. Um, and so, like, have we looked at it and said, great, they're all leaving hockey, let's jump on it? No, not at all. Um, what we are doing is saying, uh, again, let's amplify our messages around safe sport around the integrity in tennis, around all of our great stories of what we do in the community and just keep that narrative going so that one, our partners feel confident in, in us and two, um, just by virtue of being out there and telling good stories and running a great business that you know if they wanna come to the table, of course, we'll, we'll welcome them to the table if it's a fit. So it's more that I would say, Craig. Yeah. Do, you, do you find with, with uh, a lot of the sponsors, do they come to you or is it, you have to get out there and knock on doors and, and create awareness for your brand to get these sponsors in? Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy, it's, it's been that they're knocking on the door now. Like they're, they're clamoring at tennis, uh, which is an amazing spot to, to be in. So I can tell you our chief commercial officer, Rob Swan, he like, he's in his heyday, you know, it's, it's the easiest time he's ever had selling sponsorship and he's worked for the Jays. He's worked for their properties. Um, but just like so many great things have been done to build the business that, you know, he doesn't, he works hard, <laughs> but yeah. he doesn't have to work hard to sell tennis anymore. It's kind of selling itself now. Eva, I'm just wondering if uh, you need a uh, executive producer because <laughs> these guys are crushing me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Dan. If you want to work for our CMO, she's pretty tough too. Oh, okay, well, that'll be. That, we'll, we'll soon be saying at, at, at the Unmatched Conference when we yeah, when we show up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about community, though, and obviously that's so important. Is tennis can appealing to a different demographic? Do you think than soccer? No, country. it's actually the same. I mean, if you think of, yeah, like many new Canadians, many immigrants, like tennis is, is a global game. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these ones. It's got a lot of similarities to soccer. It's easy to play. You need a racket, you need a ball, you need some friends, you know, you can go to public infrastructure, public courts and just step on and play. So you don't need to pay a membership. You don't need to do all of that. Um, and I think the appeal is also just like, you can, you can go out with your friends where tennis is less accessible is, the club system, kind of a lot like, I mean, I, I saw this in equestrian also, it's a very uh, generational sport. So the tendency to get into tennis usually comes because your parents were in it um, or, or, you know, you've had a friend pull you into the sport more officially. It's also an early specialization sport. So, you know, to it's got tons of potential for kids that, that you know, are really athletic because you can make a lot of money in the sport. You know, if you're really dedicated to it, like it's one of the top sports. Um, but getting there, getting into the the system in tennis and then pursuing it, I think it's it's soccer is more accessible right now. You know, it's easier for families to register. It You know, we have tons of waiting lists at all our tennis clubs now. There's not a lot of year round facilities, which is one of the things that I am looking after is we need more year round um, tennis facilities so that people can play year round. Soccer did that 30 years ago. Like I, I literally rem remember going from a gymnasium to train through the winter to indoor domes where you could play leagues, you could compete, you could play on teams like that was literally 30 years ago. So tennis is just now catching up to that thinking that, Hey, Part of the future of our sport is we need we need more facilities. We need we need kids to be able to play all year round. Yeah. How is the uh, coaching uh, as far as pricing goes, Eva? For you know, you look at diversity in in football, and the the costs are certainly you know 
fairly cheap compared to you know many other sports of course but still it's pretty pricey i know tennis uh you know 101 coach and can't not be cheap you know so does that how does that work in canada and how can we you know bring more people involved uh, uh, that not necessarily financially can afford it yeah exactly um well this is something that's on my radar like we have enough resources to be able to say to our provinces coaching and and instructors are a priority. So rather than making people pay to get certified, it's an essential thing for a sport. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Like you need coaches, you need good coaches, you need instructors. Why do we make people pay for this? Especially in the early stages of of their career. To me, that makes no sense. It's never made any sense. You know, even for myself as a former coach, coming up in the system, you know, you pay a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks to get certified. At the end of the day, everyone's clamoring for better coaches and more coaches. So, you know, our federation is in a position where I think this is a place we need to invest strategically. And we're looking at doing that so that, you know, it costs you nothing. You want to get trained, you want to get certified, you want to pursue, you know, pursue a career in instructing, coaching. We should we should subsidize that and we should be looking to get as many as we can in the door and keeping them in the door. I, I just this whole this whole math thing on coach certification, it blows my mind. It, it just does not make any sense at all in this country. And I really believe more sports should be looking at like this should not be a revenue generator for our federation at all. And and right now, many of them look at it as a, a revenue generator and it's not generating a lot of money. So at the end of the day, what does it cost you to get more people certified and more instructors? Yeah, I think the benefit outweighs, you know, the other yeah. side of making, you know, 50 grand a year. Like, who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. Especially at that entry level, because you want people to come exactly. just get in, get in the door. Just get in. Fall in love it. with the game. Fun. And, yes. Yeah. And yeah. I can see later on as you become more established and you got a passion for the game and you become elite. OK, yeah. yeah now you're, you're you're paying for that for that coach. But at the young entry level, I agree with you. There should yeah. be free just to get people in the door. Well, and Jimmy, let's think of like Canada soccer, even the top, the top of the the um, pyramid, right? So that your national A, your national B, at the end of the day, it's a small group of people. They run them, I think, once a year, right? Like there's yeah. not many courses. You're talking about 40 people. Okay, so we pay two grand so that they can bring 80 grand to cover the time of the people that are employed by Canada soccer. That doesn't make sense to me. No. Because the money isn't taken and then funneled back into development programs. So at the end of the day, if you've got 40 top class people that you're, you're trying to build an infrastructure, you know, you're trying to build the professional game or the university game and the caliber of coaching. Whether you pay 2000 bucks for it or not, how does that like, why is that the difference maker that I, I just I think right across the board, it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. When we're talking about the number of people that we need the quality of coaching that this country needs in every sport, it needs to get better. Invest. Yeah, good point. And it does seem Tennis Canada gets that. You know, you're saying how the money is, I don't know, flowing is quite the right term to use, but, you know, there's people knocking on your door as opposed mm-hmm. to you having to knock on their door. Um, you were involved at CPL from its uh, beginning, you know, and obviously no one foresaw the pandemic happening, obviously. But you obviously, um, you know, know more about the CSB deal, I'm sure, than, than a lot of people and, and what that meant for CPL, what that meant for Canadian soccer. Um, I, I don't want to be in the spot here at all, Ava, you know, obviously. It's, you a, it's, a, pretty, it's a prickly <laughs> situation right now, isn't it? Um, that deal, do you understand what that deal was signed, when it was signed? And looking back on it now, do you think, was it the right thing to do? 
You can say no comment. It's quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm not the type to say no comment, so I won't. Jimmy knows that about yeah. me. Um, I will make a comment. Um, I think there had to be a starting place, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a business. So there, there has to be some type of business model around it. I think um, I get why the long-term deal was done because it's stability for the partnership, so on and so forth. Um, I think there was short-sightedness around knowing and understanding that the players are the product. If they don't succeed, if they're not on board, if they don't stay involved, you don't have a product. And so that consideration was not made at the time because it was very much you know, the the business minds around the table having those discussions. And so we're we're hearing that now. I think that's what you're hearing. That's what the piping up is all about. We all see it. Um, And, you know, I've seen this in many sports. Uh, It's something that for me as a, as my own personal value, it's something I've, I've advocated for that, you know, the athletes are the heart of all of this. And so you got to treat them well and they have to be considered and they have to be at the table, especially when you get to the pro side of things. Because, you know, if they decide to walk out, (laughs) protest, make noise, um, as I said, you know, their brand in in many ways is more powerful. Well, we all know this. It's the the brand of these players is is much stronger in the court of public opinion than Canada soccer, than CSB, than Tennis Canada. You know, it's the athletes. The athletes make these brands. So if you don't get that, you're going to run into problems. Does Canada Canada have a, an issue with you know the star players, their particular agents going out after basically the same sponsorship money? Um, no, I like of course they do their own deals, and so the the separation for us is that we have our pro athletes, which are you know Felix, Layla, Bianca, all the ones that you see, you know Dennis. And then you have the amateur side, the up and coming. So a lot of our partners are really connected to, as I mentioned, the the National Bank Open, which is a a general event, and our community programs, like our mission. Uh, Whereas, you know, our our athletes can go sign, for example, like our our clothing partner is Fila for Tennis Canada. Layla is signed with Lululemon, right? We can't make her wear Fila unless it's a national, you know, Team Canada event is when we we ask them to do that. But outside of that, they can go and do their own deal. So it's not really a problem, Craig. So these are obviously tough times for for Canadian soccer in many ways, but also great times as well. Um, Mm -hmm. The Canadian Premier League was was something that had to come, obviously, Mm -hmm. for the World Cup. We know that. But from a footballing standpoint as well, um, from someone that was there from the first day, where do you see it being by 2026 when Canada's hosting World Cup games? Where is the CPL at that point? I think it depends on the leadership. It's like anything. Yeah. You could say the same thing about tennis. You know, where's tennis going to be? It's all leadership. It's all, um, you know, like sport in this country has changed. The demographics, the kids that play, the families that are involved, like the landscape in Canada has changed. And so, in my opinion, and there's lots of research to back this up, you know, you need diverse thinking, you need diverse minds, you need business thinking and not business at the expense of the well-being of people. You can have both. You can have both. You can have, you can care for your people and hire really well and do great things as a business. And tennis, I think is a great example of that. So where will it be? 
it's going to depend on that. It will depend on how they connect with Canadians and how Canadians buy into the values yeah. and, and buy into what they're seeing, you know, front and center, like, um, you know, what sort of initiatives like genuine, because people can see through shit too, you know, yeah. so genuine, authentic um, desire for, yeah, the growth of the game, but also who's around it. Yeah. Who is growing this game? Is it people that know the game? Yeah. So people, people see that they're not dumb. They see yeah. that. And so they buy into things that they say, you know what, this looks good, feels good, smells good. We're in, we support this. And that's why there is so much support for the players because they're genuine, they're authentic. They put their heart on the, the line. Every time they play, you can see it like the passion and everything else. That's why the public is behind them. Yeah. That's why. So Eva, I've known you for a long time and you are an amazing business leader and you've worked with some incredible organizations, but you do have one big passion and, and that's football, soccer. Absolutely. You love the game. You've coached, it. you've played at a very good level. Could you ever envision yourself at some point being involved in Canadian soccer association? Would love to be, would love to be, wouldn't do it right now. I mean, yeah. I did not put my name in for the, the role that was open. I had people ask me if I was going to, and I didn't because it's not ready. <laughs> and I'm not ready to go there and to do battle with doing the right thing. So absolutely, I want to. And, you know, part of this move with tennis is also, you know, preparing myself for much bigger things because tennis is a big engine, you know. But at the same time, when I'm inside that environment, it's professional, it's welcoming, um, you know, it's absolutely geared towards getting the best people around the table who are the best at what they do and, and valued for what they're, they're bringing to the table. Um, you know, I think that that's where things need to go. I, you know, I, I've been in soccer my whole life, you know, I've built up a career and experiences that I think make me um, a decent candidate to be involved for sure at the yeah. right time with the right leadership, the right vision, the right values, all of that. And and until that, I've had enough lessons in my career. I don't need to step into things where it's just not aligned. I don't need to because it's it's a battle. And it's I would love I, I do what I can for the sport, you know, um, in different ways uh, with emerging leaders, with female leaders. I'm always trying to help guide, connect, open doors. I still do all of that where I can. Um, do I want to do it at a much bigger level? Of course. But it's got to be the right people in the right time. What made Tennis Canada's structure more attractive to you? Um, if you don't know Michael Downey, you should look up his background. He's phenomenal. So he's the CEO. He's been there twice. He has actually mentored, trained, developed many top class leaders in sport on the professional side in North America. So not just not, not just Canada. Um, many individuals that he is connected to, that he has developed, that have worked for him. He's an exceptional leader, like exceptional. So he was a big draw for me because um, he, he just is, he's got so much integrity. He's authentic. And I knew I was going to learn a ton from him. The other part of it is that the house is in order. So with the house in order and with someone like myself and Jimmy knows this, I am not only passionate, but I like to get creative. I like to push boundaries. I like to make things right. I like to transform. And I'm in an environment where I have the team, the money, um, the community, the board. Like if you look at the board of directors at Tennis Canada, these are solid people. 
solid people with extensive background, totally rowing in the same way. They challenge the business, they challenge the thinking, but to, to always be better and better and better. Who wouldn't want to, you know, as a, as a real pro, like, how do you not want to be around that? So, yeah. So every day is it's, it's easy. (laughs) It's challenging, but it's easy. Like I'm not fighting, you know, Mickey mouse battles, ego. Like there's, there's not fighting ego. You know, these are people that are all rowing that respect talent, that respect professionalism and excellence. And we're all in together on that. Of course, Tennis Canada wasn't always great, right? I mean, there were issues in the past. You know, it had to be a, a, a big switch. I remember I covered it Christ, did. a long time that's ago great. now, right? That's right, and, and that's and, the thing. They, they, they acknowledged it, and they got their yeah, house exactly. And the story, like, you can go to Roger Martin, who was the part of the, the team, the core team that turned it around. He's got a three, four-pager on what did they do in tennis to turn to right the ship and to, and to get it on track to be a world contender because they'd never had the budget of France – of England, of all these powerhouse countries, Australia, and they, we still don't today, but we are hitting with the top guns, you know, like when John Macro in the U S says tennis is a, or Canada is a tennis nation. That's a big statement, but it's a core group of people 20 years ago that said, we cannot continue the way we're doing this. We need better leadership. We need a better business model. We need to focus our resources and start putting building blocks. And they had a succession plan for their leadership at the board level and the CEO level 20 years ago, that was going to take them 15 years. It wasn't a every election year, everyone's on pins and needles wondering who the next leader is. That's not what they did. The one that was going to come next was already on the board. And then the one that was coming next after them was on the board. And they were all in lockstep with where things needed to go. Yeah, very Succession good. plan, right? Let me yeah. ask you this then. Um, Hypothetically speaking, let's say, you know, there was, you know, you're involved in, in sports on a professional level in, in a country that's trying to make its name in a certain sport. And, and that governing body has big issues between the players and the governing body. What would be the first thing you did if you were hired to run the organization? Hypothetically I, speaking, I, of course. As I said, that you're, you don't have anything if you don't have your athletes. And and realism, authenticity, trust, like you can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we're all human beings. It's actually a core human element that, that, you know, fight or flight, you feel it. Trust, first and foremost, in order to get any buy-in, any dialogue, any communication, uh, people at the table, it's that. And as I said, I mean, <laughs> they're your product. They're your lifeblood. You don't have much without that. You start there. So is it about communication with those players to make sure that they're on on page and they know exactly what's going on within Tennis Canada? They're the business, right? So we we don't separate them from the business. They're the business. They're part of the business with us. So it's not them and us. It's not like, for example, we just announced yesterday an initiative called Mental Timeout. Bianca Andreescu, huge name. You know, she doesn't need us for anything. Um... But she's at the table because Tennis Canada invested in her development. She acknowledged it. We didn't have to ask her to. She came on as an ambassador for the program because she's had her own challenges over the last couple of years. And she was thrilled to be at the table yesterday in partnership with Tennis Canada saying, yeah, we want to do better for our sport, for our athletes, for tennis, for the industry. She's all in. Mm -hmm. And it was not a hard sell. 
And that's because it's relationship building. It's yeah. this is what we want to do. We need you as the face of this, not just please be the face so we can get the picture. And then thanks very much. No, like genuinely feels part of it and genuinely feels like she can make a difference. And her face on the program versus mine, it's understanding. Like I'm not the face. Sure. I'm going to champion it with her and drive it forward as an executive, but I'm not the face. She is. Mm-hmm. The community resonates with her, not Eva Haveris. It's Bianca who's had real lived experience challenges in this space. And so it's like, you know, who's front and center is really telling, in my opinion. I'm trying to figure out just comparisons here between a, um, a, a men's or women's team, right, compared to Tennis Canada. So Davis Cup, for example, are they, are they paid by Tennis Canada to play at Davis Cup? Yeah, so right now it's a national competition. They aren't, but it's something that Tennis Canada is is looking at right now to say, you know, we want our best stars. The tennis calendar is actually quite challenging. And so in order for the top stars to be there, like they need to make room for it. And what they give Mm -hmm. up to be there um, is they give up opportunity to make money elsewhere on the pro tour. So there has, again, this is something that we recognize as a, we need a a relationship. We need to sort that with our our top athletes that if we really want them there to compete as Canada, if we're going to gain something monetarily from participating, they are, again, we don't have that if they don't play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's a, such a great tournament. It, it really is. You know? And I, I wish more people you know, were aware of it and watched it. And maybe as, as you get more stars and in tennis camp, yeah. it's going to grow naturally, right? But it's, it's yeah, fantastic. I, think so. I mean, we just had like Layla, we just had the women's version of that, the Billie Jean King Cup in Vancouver. They've qualified for the final. Layla was part of that. Rebecca Marino. Um, Bianca was injured, but I'm sure she would be. So they are stepping up to play for Canada. And now we need to fix that on the men's side also. Right, gotcha. Um, before we let you go, um, Tennis Canada's Unmatched it is a gender equity and sports conference coming August 10th. Can you give us more information about that? Yeah, so what I wanted to do with this was, um, if you think about the landscape and sort of the dialogue around gender equity, there's not really a an annual event, um, a conference, anything that's happening in Canadian sport, whether it's the pro side or the amateur side, that really just brings the entire sport community together. So what I wanted to do is, you know, tennis started this decades ago, you know, and Billie Jean King, as we all know, was a very key player and icon in in demanding equity, in in literally competing for it, you know, winning for it. This happened decades ago. And so tennis has been a leader. We still have a ways to go. So what I wanted to do was here's an opportunity for Tennis Canada around our National Bank Open where we can have tennis as the backdrop of the conversation. Um, Billie Jean King is coming, which is incredible. I mean, you know, she's 78 years old. It's probably going to be the last time I think that we get her here um, because she doesn't travel much anymore, but she's coming as our keynote. And so with tennis as the backdrop for the conversation, um, we've then invited some really marquee individuals in Canadian sport um, and also in community. So even Leanne Nicole, who runs Big Brother, Big Sister, right? It's like, what does the country, what do people need to do in sport to understand how they get kids in the door and keep them, right? So we'll have tennis as the backdrop, but it's a conference for anyone, corporate, community, otherwise, that just wants wants to hear the stories of how to make it happen, you know, how to get closer to gender equity, inclusiveness, you know, positive experiences, 
Um, you know, soccer should be at the conference. I think it would it would do wonders for them to participate and hear um, because it's about, you know, the, the strength of your sport. You got to look like your sport. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and we need more of that uh, at the NSO level across the board. So, so for our listeners, uh, for more information on that, where can they uh, reach out to? Yeah, go to tenniscanada.com. We do have a conference page set up. Um, we are about 70% sold. So if you are interested, I'd encourage your listeners to get going awesome. quickly. Yeah, it's accelerated. We launched last week and, and it's just been blowing up. Of course, Billie Jean King is a pretty big draw for that. Oh, sure. she, she, yeah. I was thinking about this. She, her she name is one of the most renowned, well-known she, sporting names in the world. Like, she really I, I put is. that and name up with anyone. You know? That's it. And you know what, James, like she even transcends sport. Like you're seeing her at yeah, the exactly. White House, yeah. you know, she just got the order of France from the, the president <laughs> of France. Like she, she's a beast and she's coming oh. to Canada and she's coming to Toronto and we all get a chance to be in the room and listen to her and her views of, of you know, business, industry, gender equity, um, you know, thriving as a business. You know, it's not just, well, it's the right thing. Like you thrive as a business when you think yeah. diversity. Right. I'm happy to say that, you know, Battle of the Sexes was, was before all of our times, apart from Craig and, and Wonger. Um, but uh, if you think it's not, just, just What's I mean, it was <laughs> one of the, the gr- largest, massive, most covered sporting events in the history of sporting events, actually. You know, right. from what I've read yeah. since then. Yeah. It's a huge moment. No, obviously, she's so much more than just that. I know that. but uh, She is. She is. It's, and I can't wait to see what color blazer and glasses she wears, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's always something new. It's the black shirt, the black plant, pants, but then the color right. comes out with the glasses and the blazer. So super excited. And I get to host this woman for five hours personally. Like, I mean, what a what an amazing opportunity. So That's How cool is that? Is and we will so be there. Was that? Yep, footy prom will be there. Right, you guys are coming. Prime. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what first gym. tennis match. Yeah. Oh, really? I've never watched one live. Yeah, I haven't you either. Keep quiet. Yeah, I'm gonna say hey, do I, quiet. Do I, it's more quiet than soccer. So you're Jimmy. telling me don't to... don't bring my flares. Well, don't bring I have my to adapt, You know, like as a football person, I went to my first tennis stuff before I started working with them last August, and I couldn't believe how quiet it was. So I was trying to figure out where do I go to like stop talking or. <laughs> I'm more concerned about Wunger staying quiet for that long time. That'll be almost. Yeah. Quiet. I can hear the I, I can hear the umpire now. Quiet, please, Dan. Wunger, Wunger, be quiet, please. Oh, Even before you. New Tennis Canada employee, right? Is that <laughs> right? I was just kidding. I love these guys. Um, hey, well, before you split over your right shoulder, there's an awesome poster. Yeah. Our, our fans can't can't see it but who is it it's i saw it straight mercury. away oh Freddie mercury and i'll tell you very quickly the story behind this i keep him up behind my shoulder because you know sport can get really heavy and people sometimes take it way too serious and that's their whole identity and i grew up having so many other interests and passion music being one of them i love artists i think you know seeing someone in their element is the best and then this guy over my shoulder every time i do my work calls reminds me eva like don't take it so seriously have fun um be around people that that want to have fun with this right um and and just keep going down that path so i think that's i think that's amazing and it, it, it seems to me that when you do approach it like that that's how this podcast got put together and you you end up making more strategic, more yes. thoughtful, and in the long run, creating a legacy, which yeah. I think you've done perfectly with Tennis Canada and that approach. Yeah. Well, and Dan, better relationships with your listeners because exactly. you guys are having fun. That's probably why you're so successful. I would have no doubt because you're having fun together and people want to hear that. They want to be part of that. They don't want to be part of this like, you know, 
negative, whatever. But it's yeah, also much easier to work with tennis people than to work with Jimmy. <laughs> no, <hey. laughs> you know how much fun we had? Me and Eva had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Jimmy's fun with a capital F. Yeah. <laughs> Eva, thank you so much. Uh, the minute I saw Freddie over your shoulder, I thought, you know, Eva will get on just fine with us here. Yeah, um, cool. I'm a bit of a queen obsessive myself, so oh, um, yeah. appreciate that. But thank yeah. you so much. This was really interesting, fascinating conversation. And uh, we will see you August 10th. And Can't uh, wait. We'll chat to you again, I'm sure, in, in the very near future. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. That's Bye, Eva Havaris. Yeah, really interesting, right? And just seeing I the love that. professionalism of Tennis Canada and mm. what can be done. Yeah in this country with what's considered as fringe sport originally, yeah. right? It's growing beyond that now. It's become mainstream and so is soccer, of course. Yeah. But uh, she's yeah, a, really interesting chat. She's an amazing, amazing uh, sports leader and, and she's so passionate about what she does and, and so educated when it comes to sports and be great to see her involved with, with soccer one day here in this country. Oh, yeah. And Jimmy, she's just amazing. A very a great, timely great booking. Very timely booking. So thanks for putting us in contact, Jimmy Brennan. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was great. I love the way that she, you know, worded a lot of that and the way that she related it back to tennis and um Charm's there with his professional hypothetical question. Like <laughs> great great answer. Like she was re like ready for the fire. And and you know, look at uh how many people we've seen kind of, you know, been put in front of the camera in an uncomfortable situation and yeah. not know how to handle speaking in that situation. No, she'll right? never she wouldn't back down. Mm -hmm. She won't back down from anything. No, she won't back down. She, she's that's why she's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's some parallels there too because obviously you need your star players uh, to be successful to be able yeah. to have any chance of selling anything. We've now got a situation where we've got star football players on the women's and the men's side as well. So there are some parallel there. So it's very, very interesting to hear her uh, points on uh, on the business of sports and uh, where potentially soccer can go. Recognizing too how much like the people have changed, whereas in the past maybe they needed the organization to be the leaders, uh, and there was this you know natural kind of separation. Whereas now these players, in all of their environments, if they're not treated well, they don't want to stay in that environment. So they're certainly not going to take that from a federation. And if things are as professionalized as they are, you know, professionally, um, they're not going to they don't no one has any time for egos and bullshit in, in life in general. This is this is the, the pandemic. Everyone's cut the bullshit out. Right. So you need if it's within your organization and it seems very clear that it's there now, you need to find a way to, to pour cold water on it and cut it out. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, I don't know Canada Soccer spent a lot of money on the recruitment process for the general secretary. In the end, they stayed in-house with Earl Cochran. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. I, I, I don't know. But I would hope I would hope that leaders such as Eva were at least approached mm -hmm. to find out mm -hmm. would they be interested. I really hope. If not, what the hell were they doing? Simple as that. I mean, I've known Earl Cochran for an awful long time, and uh, he's been in the system for an awful long time. So, if you're looking for a succession, he would be he would be uh, a good person to to do that. Um, we have to give him a chance. Uh, I really do believe that uh, he's been around long enough. He knows the landscape. Let's give him a chance. I think we have yeah. to also say that about Bontis. Bontis has only been around for five minutes. I mean, he really hasn't been around. I mean, he he took the job as president in, as a president. Yes, exactly. Um, it's he took the job in a pandemic and uh, you know there's been a lot of mudslinging and a lot of finger pointing and and some of it uh, is warranted but at the end of the day i still think we have to well i don't think we have much of a choice at this moment but to, to give these guys a chance to to yeah. steady this ship i agree i think with with earl as well and we've known earl for for an awfully long time Kirk. Mm -hmm. um and he's waited patiently for an opportunity 
one, I'm glad that they gave it to a Canadian mm-hmm. and they didn't look elsewhere. Um, and the same with, with Bontis. I mean, you, you've got to give him some time. He's, he's walked into a war zone. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how, uh, how they get out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with all that. At the same time, I will, we should acknowledge that, that, that Nick Bontis was also part of the board for a long time as well. Right, prior to this, yeah. so mm-hmm. all these deals he was previously. Well, we should get we'll get him on again. Yeah. yeah, we'll get him on again as well because he has actually made some significant changes inside the CSA um, that I think people should be aware of as well, and diversity and things like that, and even even some of the guys who were you know mentioned in that uh, article by TSN. Um, you know, there's some they're disgruntled. They're yeah, those those guys are part of the old <laughs> CSA. That's yeah. they're, they were part of the problem, not the solution. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Eva talks about how great the board is at Tennis Canada, how strong they are in their leadership. Mm-hmm. Haven't really heard that too much from Canada Soccer, but hey, um, we'll learn more in the coming weeks and months for sure. Um, it's a mess, as simple as that, right? And hopefully it can get cleaned up. I know optically you always want to get the, the, the fresh face in there, you know, with the bravado, but it doesn't always turn out for the best, right? And those people come at a cost as well, right? You can go around the world and get the best leadership in the world for a price. And as Canada Soccer keeps telling us, there's no money. So anyway, mm-hmm. try not to talk about Canada Soccer too much this show, but in the end, we talk about Canada Soccer. But that's so Let's right. talk about the players. Can we end on the players? The women's yes, team please making be. the final, yes. the CONCACAF W final, Canada, USA. Yep. Let's go. Let's yep. go. Smash Jamaica last night. I mean, 3-0, but I mean, let's be honest, it was way more than a 3-0 game. <laughs> Complete domination. Can I ask you one thing, though? Why scheduled for Monday when a Sunday after the British Open, like I'm just thinking about how these people schedule games versus how you want to build game, like game watching and turn it into a lifestyle thing. Wouldn't a, a five o'clock game on an afternoon after the British Open be the perfect time to schedule a Canada-US women's tilt? Just in my brain, instead of a Monday night at, you know, in the like, I just, it, it confounds me, these decisions. And maybe there has to be three days between or something like, I don't know. But I'm just in my brain, Victor. I'm going, pardon Ask me? Victor. Yeah, Victor. it's a good question for Victor. But- I just, just kind of went, you have the British Open on the weekend. You have a Sunday night tilt, a match that is like, these are these ones that are exquisite usually because it's Canada, U.S., and there's so much to play for. So, yeah, and and we could all anticipate that this was going to be the final. So you're right. So from, from the beginning, you're looking at it and seeing a, a Monday night final. A marketing or a TV perspective uh, um, executive may look at that and think, hmm, it can be better elsewhere. But uh, I don't think anyone's looking at the the British Open as the as the tee up. It's a diff, totally different fan group. And in, in the terms of these events too, Craig, you can speak to this. They probably look at this first and think, what's our best gate opportunity? Not what's our best television opportunity. So I'm not sure what's happening in Monterey on a Sunday night. If people aren't going to go out on a Sunday night. They could be looking at that. Could we the get it? has been empty though anyway, isn't it? It has, it has been yeah. before. Right. It has been yeah. before. I know. It's Craig's gold cup. Craig and Jimmy's gold cup fans. I think oh, it yeah. could be because of uh, us. <laughs> actually, I think footy prime has a big, big chunk of that Sunday night market. <laughs> right, I think that that could be the reason why it'd be inconvenient for us too, right? To talk seven PM record on a Sunday and they're playing at ten o'clock on Sunday, not great for us. And uh, we appreciate that, Concacaf, and, and our good mate Victor Montaliani for thinking of us. Thank you. All right, boys, uh, out of time. Anything else you want to get to before we uh, say adieu? 
Eva was amazing. I think uh, Eva was brilliant. Any, any any of our leaders in this footy prime team should be worried because if she really wants to get back into soccer, <laughs> she can walk right into this team. Hey, I think if she was uh, leading us, they'd be we'd all be out of here. <laughs> we'd oh, all be yeah. gone. <laughs> we, don't, we don't pay enough. <laughs> that is true. That She's is not true. coming anywhere near us. <laughs> oh, chance. You know, we've, I mean, very quickly to end here. I mean, we've spoken to a lot of. Canadian sporting leaders um, on this show in the last few weeks and months, right? And there's some really great sporting IQ out there, Canadian yeah. IQ. And it's really refreshing when you actually hear it. Uh, you you and, don't see it elsewhere. So I yeah. think female IQ and female yeah. IQ that we just haven't heard much of before. Doesn't mean it wasn't, hasn't been there. Doesn't mean it hasn't mm-hmm. been, been loud and, uh, and intelligent, but you're, we're now hearing it, you know, on a microphone and uh, in, on a stage. If only they were in the world, it wouldn't be so fucked up, would it? Anyway, mm-hmm. boys, thank you very much. We'll be back on uh, Sunday night. Maybe some actual football to talk about as well by then. Let's hope so. Um, but uh, until then, keep uh, subscribing and liking and telling your friends and buying newspapers and, and listen to Footy Prime the podcast. Thanks so much. Cheers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.